Welcome back, Simcasters. Thank you for joining me on this new episode. So let me ask you a question. What did cooking and STEM have in common? Well, more than you think. The kitchen is actually a virtual laboratory for exploring all sorts of STEM topics, such as measurement, patterns, chemistry, properties of matter, uh, cause and effect, and so much more. Preparing food is a daily part of life, which means that the learning occurs in a natural, meaningful context with delicious results. So if we were to frame it this way, STEM learning can happen every day in small moments as we slow down to observe and ask questions. And this is exactly what we're going to get into with our guest and chef in today's episode, Hassamoud Al-Khalifa. So... Be sure to grab an apron, preheat the oven, and start wondering. Hessa, Hessa, Hessa. Welcome Hi. to the Stemcast podcast. Really, really, really excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, finally. <laughs> yes, we finally made it happen, and honestly... You know, we were just talking uh, off the record and I was just saying, I'm so excited about this uh, episode because my my mind is going a million directions at the moment, uh, trying to think, what should I start out with? Because there's a, a ton of ways in which we can talk about the amazing things that you uh, have been up to lately. But if I were to start somewhere, mm-hmm. let's start with your story, your journey. Uh, and leading us all the way to where you are today. So take us back, as far back as, as you can take us, and walk us through you know, your story, your journey so far. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, I, I mean, I guess the beginning is always a good place to start. Um, so yeah, born and raised in Bahrain, um i just ever since i was little i definitely just knew what i liked doing in my waking hours if you will because you know there's only so many hours in a day and then i just realized in a instead of watching cartoons all day i'd get bored and also uh so i'd go to the kitchen right but also i remember at that time cartoon network or whatever <laughs> wasn't a 24-hour channel we they paused do you remember like they'd pause like like from 1 to 4 p.m and then there's no programming on tv so in that time i'd go to the kitchen and see what they're making for lunch my grandmother's kitchen effectively and that's where i saw and learned so many things like um they were baking cakes they were um, making fish like Safi and Muhammad. They were making chicken saluna, I remember. And then, oh my God, like, like you know, just seeing everything come from the farm fresh and in boxes and stuff. So I kind of in love with just, you know, food, the smells and like everything. So it's very nostalgic for me, um, even thinking about that. So yeah, I just was always the kid in the kitchen. <laughs> and um so I grew up and just loved watching TV shows like food, like the Food Network was a big part of my, you know, I, like I loved watching it. And my mom would always be like, turn it, turn it off or change the channel. I'm getting hungry. I'm like, no, I'm learning. Like, I'm not just watching this show. I'm learning every I took every opportunity around me to learn about food and and cooking and techniques and all of that. I'm not like the most skilled. 
I know what I'm good at, but I just loved learning about food in my waking hours. And that's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, so yeah, and I'm still doing that to this day. <laughs> How cool is that though? Because like my, you know, my early memory of you is, is exactly that. Like I recall that you <laughs> loved being in the kitchen and it's so nice after so many years to be able to, you know, to see you now still pursuing that passion on a, you know, on a larger scale. And so it's amazing because not, not a lot of people can say this, right? Because sometimes they fall out of love with, you know, whatever passion they had when they were uh, younger, or, you know, they, they decide quote unquote, unquote, like, you know, this is, this is, you know, childish and I have to, you know, uh, do something a little bit different and more. Yeah. Absolutely. And, And when you say childish, it just, the whole thing started um, reconnecting to cooking, actually, because I actually had a desk job. I had to adult for some time and I was so sad. I couldn't even get up to go to work. So I had to do a lot of um, inner healing and the inner healing I had to do was reconnecting with my inner child. And so when you do that, when you find the child within you, she's still there. She still remembers what makes her happy, you know, So when you follow that calling and it's still in there, your soul doesn't age. When you find that, I think that's where you find your path to your own happiness. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Uh, 100%. I mean, I try to, you know, reconnect with my inner child all the time. Um, I I joke that I say that I'm a a kid adult. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I'm a kid too. There you go. And I think that's the way that, you know, again, it's it proved right. You know, your theory proved that right. That when you looked back and you said, hey, you know what, what brought little has a lot of joy? Why can't you do it now? I mean, there you go. That's that's your that's the formula. But I think that's that's important for you know for our listeners to to just get something away from this, which is basically that. You, we will always be pressured to, you know, to, to adult, to do things maybe that are not the things that we want to do. And maybe it wasn't very easy for you. So maybe if you were to talk about, you know, when you decided to say no to adulting and, and, and just reconnect to the things that you uh, loved as a child, what was that transition point? And, you know, m- maybe if you can just walk us through that, maybe the decision making process. And you saying, okay, I'm going to go all in on this. I guess the best way to kid out is finding a way that pays the bills, but makes like, but, but having fun at the same time. Right. And it's rare that anyone is that lucky, you know, and <laughs> I think at this point I, I made it happen because I remember um, like I'm, I'm blogging and I'm, um, like doing all these things and I'm cooking and I'm recipe developing. And my mom is like, um, uh, like, but like, I'm like, I'm working. And my mom is like, no, but like work means, you know, there's, there's, you know, a salary, there's like, you know, money at the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, this is not work. She'd call what I was doing, not work. And that used to make me so frustrated. I'm like, it, to me, it doesn't mean, you know, there's money at the end of the month. Like, I think we're called gig economy millennials. Uh, like, there's nothing like constant about what we do sometimes it's just a sporadic like you know oh here's a chunk for the work that you did and then some months nothing you know 
And, um, and I figured out there's a lot of people who live this way. It wasn't just me. So I had to prove to my mom and the old way of like thinking about work as no, like I'm, I'm being fulfilled. I'm doing something. I'm creating something. And at the end of the day, I'm still alive paying my bills and, you know, there's gas in the tank, you know, and all of that. So I think it's just finding a way, waking up and being like, listen, I can't live this way anymore. I need to adult and be a kid at the same time. So if I'm having fun and paying the bills, then that's the right mix of where I need to be. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think, you know, there's something to say about work uh, or the way that we see work and and how it's re- being redefined at the moment. And that, you know, in previous uh, generations and times, work was, you know, you having to pay the bills. Um, mm-hmm. And then and sometimes it would require, most of the time, it would require physical labor. Uh, whereas now, you know, being able to have that balance between, you know, working, but also having fun and playing. I think that's so important, um, even for the longevity of it, you know, because again, what's the point of, you know, holding a job that is draining you um, at at the end of the day, at the end of the day. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with us, uh, Hassa, but I want you, like, again, I have this opportunity right now to get inside your head (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> because I usually look on the podcast, I usually speak to uh, all kinds of people, to be honest, um, educators, teachers, uh, parents, kids, uh, STEM professionals, STEM students. But this is the first time that I am speaking to, I would say, a creative a chef. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I really do see what you do as a very creative and artistic pursuit. So let's talk about creativity in cooking. So what Mm. I'm fascinated to know more about is your creative process, you know, Mm. all the way from conceptualizing the dish in your head first, because I bet there's a lot of imagination involved there, all the way to you know, plating it on uh, the plate and, and maybe serving it to yourself or to, or to, to others. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through that, that creative process and, and, and what, what that's like? Sure. I mean, creativity is a huge part of stuff I like, you know. I like taking the path less, you know, like, the, the, you know, I, I love leaving footprints, not following them. I, I don't know what the quote was, but anyways... Um, my home style of cooking actually is not that um, innovative or anything like I, I respect and love molecular gastronomy, but I'm more of a comfort food kind of person. But as far as conceptualizing dishes and stuff, I have to go back to at the table. And my God, those days pre-COVID were the best. Like I had the most wonderful team. We worked seamlessly together. We created these dinners in Bahrain. Um, don't know, if, don't know if you heard of them. We did uh, we did Star Wars, we did Disney villains, uh, Harry Potter, and Game of Thrones was the first one, and that took me out of my comfort zone in a way that I can't even explain. We had the most majestic view at the Qalat al Bahrain by the water, and and I remember coming up with the menu. It was eight dishes, I think. And I, I was, I'm such a big Game of Thrones fan. So I had to do like a dish for every house, like Baratheon and Stark and all of that. And it just like I'd stay up at night. I think my creative hours are like at 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., like until the sun comes up. I have no idea. And I just sit and think like, 
what would you know how stark tastes like what would a baratheon dish be and i th- i think i remember we did steak and mashed potatoes for that cuz they were hunters so yeah and then i don't know like i just okay so if you want to really get into my head i actually i have synesthesia and i i'm not i don't know if you know what that is synesthesia is the part of the like it's um it's not a disorder or anything blacks it's, it's uh, quite the contrary it's um it's an area of the like in the back of the brain where your senses meld together if you will so um i figured out santana has it lady gaga has it pharrell williams um and basically what 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 happens is we see colors and numbers uh, letters uh, that's why i can spell really well because <laughs> like a and e are like you know yellow and green respectively days of the week have personalities so I remember once explaining this to my friend and I thought I was crazy for years. And then she's like, oh, honey, no, you have synesthesia. And I'm like, what? What is that? So I go to Wikipedia and I'm like, I'm a synesthet. Like all these years, this is what's happening. So like I can go to a museum, look at a painting and I can hear it, you know, or like I can see, like I can probably taste a piece of music. I don't know. It's weird. But that's how, if I'm being creative and not just cooking for myself, like I use my synesthesia to come up with, you know, stuff and that's very emotive. So yeah, it's how a dish makes me feel. And uh, that's how I kind of try to represent it in those wonderful dinners that we did without the table. Yeah, no, I, I've been following along and I love them. And I love how, you know, you use themes and themes that you love. And we do something very similar in that, you know, when we approach STEM or STEAM um, with kids, again, we we want them to be able to see how, you know, STEM is really just all around them and, and use popular uh, videos, uh, cartoons, whatever it might be. So we have actually done things related to, you know, Star Wars or Pokemon Go and things of that nature that kids are already interested in. And we just stemified it. And you did something similar in that, you know, you, you drew inspiration from the shows that you loved Mm -hmm. and you started, you know, creating dishes based on, you know, their main characters, which I, which I found absolutely, uh, fascinating by the way. Thank you. Talk, talk to us about experimenting in the kitchen. So you, t- you touched on, you know, your earliest memory, you know, going to your grandmother's kitchen and, you know, being exposed to just the kitchen environment, uh, you know, from way back when. But when, like, do you remember a time when you started experimenting in the kitchen? And what does that look like to you? Like, what does experimenting in the kitchen look like to Hassa? Do you, do you go into the kitchen with a plan of what you want to try to, to make? Or do you take, a, you know, a more spontaneous approach and see what's available, you know, any leftovers, what's in the fridge, etc. And you start to experiment as a scientist would, let's say, in their lab. Well, that's actually exactly how I started Um, uh, when I was a teenager. I mean, I remember we used to watch this show Chopped where they'd give them a basket full of like random ingredients and they'd make something out of it. And so (laughs) almost once a week, I'd go downstairs, check the pantry. I'm like, okay, what do we have today? And I'd challenge myself to make something. So that's exactly how I sort of started cooking, you know, savory dishes. But I remember as well, when I was a kid, I'd bake more. And um, 
and just seeing the dough rise in the oven like that to me was magic like how can a mixture I just made just puff up like that you know like like with cakes and whatnot so even then like my curiosity as a child was piqued by the whole kind of magic that the kitchen has you know so I'd always be down there creating and making stuff but nowadays <laughs> it's like whatever I watch on YouTube or whatever's trending like Berea tacos or uh, what was it I love making soups for some reason I just love soup even if it's summer I love making soups so it's just if I crave something I'll I'll look up a recipe usually on seriouseats.com they have the best and Kenji Lopez Alt is like one of my all-time favorite um, chefs because he made it accessible for the home cook in a way that Julia Child did a few years like um, like almost like 70, 80 years ago, she introduced French cooking to the American household. What Kenji Lopez Alt did was introduce science to the home cook. And so he'd explain things to us in his book and uh, as a contributing writer for Serious Eats that like the science behind even a grilled cheese sandwich, why you need mozzarella and cheddar together, you know, and he put them in a chart like cheese A, cheese B. And you need mozzarella and cheddar, well, one for flavor and the other for the cheese pull, because cheddar doesn't have that pull. So he'd explain about the enzymes and stuff in the different cheeses and how to create the perfect grilled cheese based on science. So Kenji Lopez-Alt is one of my all-time favorite, favorite food writers at the moment. And that's pretty much I follow whatever he does <laughs> these days. Whatever he makes, I make. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And again, you know, there's so much STEM involved in the kitchen. We were just talking, um, you know, before we hit record here about, you know, how STEM is really just all around us. And you mentioned how there's a ton of STEM, obviously, in the kitchen, which is why I'm a big advocate of, you know, getting kids in the kitchen, you know, just experimenting, trying things, seeing their parents cook. It's so important because mm -hmm. it's a... It's the right environment for STEM. And STEM is really about designing environments to peak our own curiosity, whether we're a kid or an adult. Uh, it's very important to be, you know, to have our, our curiosity heightened at all times. And there's no better uh, environment than the kitchen. And I don't have any notes on me, Hessa, but you mentioned something before we hit record. I have to bring it back. I'm sorry. You talked about eggs and how you did not like eggs, but you started geeking out in very STEM terms about eggs. And I, I think we have to stop there and just share it with our listeners. So first, how can you not love eggs? And two, go all STEM on eggs, please. Uh, well, basically, uh, again, it's a childhood memory. I think they overfed me hard-boiled eggs that now I can't even smell them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if I smell, like, <laughs> eggs, I just, I can't. It's just, it's one of my pet peeves. And, but the thing is, um, I cook egg very, very well. I do not, I can't explain it. I, I make really good fried eggs for my family, scrambled I close my nose and do it, but um, but but then I I actually kind of accepted it and and I would I wouldn't I might eat it if I make it. It sounds narcissistic, but I I was speaking to my brother about this and he's a psychologist. Um, and he explained it to me. He's like, actually, it's very simple why you cook eggs really well he's like because you hate eggs that you make them in such a way that it's acceptable to you. 
And I'm like, whoa, it was that simple this whole time. So yeah, um, I don't like eggs, but eggs are the most fascinating ingredient to cook with just because it can take on the most amount of forms there is to a single ingredient, you know, like you can boil an egg, you can fry an egg, you can scramble it, you can poach it. You can, it can look so many different, it, egg is just the most versatile ingredient and the most magical and stinky in my opinion, <laughs> ingredients in the kitchen. And it's just, even as a child, seeing my dad make bait tamat every Friday morning, like that's the only egg dish I would happily eat by the way. Um, I, it's just, it's amazing to me how he cracked it, whisked it, put it in the pan and then the heat kind of like just changed its shape and color completely. Like as a child looking at that, I was like, whoa, sorcery, you know? So um, yeah, just egg is the easiest, most magical ingredient in the kitchen. And I think that's the best way uh, like a person like involved with STEM or a child learning like can go about it. Like just, just grab an egg, crack it, see what happens. Beautiful. On this, I want to ask whether or not you have a specific dish that you're most proud of from all of the dishes that you have done in the past that you've created yourself. Um, is there one specifically that you're most proud of? And if there is one, can you share the backstory behind it? Um, you know what? It's a toss up between introducing, in a way, okonomiyaki and and making burgers <laughs> i have to bring up the burger i think because honestly it's, it's something i can't shake off me right now it's like and then i see some comments it's like she went to cordon bleu and she makes burgers i'm like oh god i'm the burger girl now but you know what burgers make people happy they make me happy it's my i think burgers are my favorite food and i'm i would like to say I'm most proud of the burger because it's allowed me to touch the lives of so many people with something so ridiculously simple and something so, if I'm being honest, selfish that I made for myself. I never intended to share it with Bahrain. I never intended to sell it. I never, none of that. It was just made for me. But my friends had it and pushed me and egged me on, <laughs> pun intended, to sell it. And therefore, like, I... I wouldn't have even reached the level of cooking with Chef Brian at Cut, like at Wolfgang Puck's restaurant at the Four Seasons serving my dish. Like, are you kidding me? I never would have thought that would ever happen. So I think the burger, <laughs> as simple as it is. But there's so much to take away from that. Uh, honestly, Hesla. And I think one of the things that really kind of strikes out at me is that you said that you did it for yourself and you know you never, you know, you never intended to share it with anyone. I think there's something to be said here, to be honest. Okay, because like, people don't like my food. What if they don't? Yeah. And it's okay. I'm losing you, Hassa. I can't. I can't hear you very well. And then everyone thought it was pretty good too. So I was like, "Hey, I think, I think we, we did something here." You know, um, it's not. Yani, I, and I do want to explore more of our culture and more of our cuisine. Uh, 
I'm losing you at the moment. I, I, I can't seem to hear you, Hassan. Uh, I, I can't seem to hear you. I'm right here. Can you hear me now? Okay, now is good because I think maybe there was this was like an internet issue or something. Might be. Where okay. do we leave off? Um, well, if you could go back to to that answer, because I I honestly couldn't hear it. Like I just heard bits and pieces. Yeah, um, I, I I guess the meal, the dish I'm most proud of, turned out to be the burger because it it allowed me to touch the lives of so many people that I never even thought I would from something so simple. Uh, even though I do want to explore more of our Bahraini cuisine um, uh, in the future, you know, uh, but that intimidates me. But um, the burger, I guess, is the dish that, to answer your question, is the is the one I'm most proud of at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 rightly so, to be honest, like uh, a very well earned uh, recognition because, uh, you know, I think. And, and personally, what I love about it is that you did it for yourself. And there's something to be said there about sometimes not not necessarily doing everything for others, but doing it for yourself first. And, you know, you don't know where it's going to take you. And that was really the story even behind Clever Play, because we started out because we wanted something for my nephew, Ali, who was only six at the time. Nice. And we never thought that we'd be able to, you know, reach 15,000 plus kids in Bahrain, outside Bahrain in like three and a half years. So I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that, you know, that it goes back to sometimes, you know, those selfish pursuits, but then you never know where where life can take you. So I, I absolutely love that story. And it begs the question, Hasla, what does cooking mean to you personally? Hmm. Like, I, I don't know if, if like any neurologist can go into my brain while I'm cooking. Like, I'm sure like the happiness sector of the brain is like lighting up. Like it's, it's a dopamine release for me. I love, I love it. Not in high pressure situations, even though sometimes like the adrenaline really keeps you going. But I, I love taking it easy and making my own meal. There's something so satisfying about it um and i just i love to eat well and having a bad meal makes me angry <laughs> so if there's a way that i can make sure and i think maybe i was fed such terrible food as a child like fish fingers i hated chicken nuggets like is that even real chicken like and french i hated being served that stuff sometimes and so I think I developed this thing where I have to make sure my meals are delicious in my head and my, by my own merit, because I just having a bad meal ruins my day <laughs> somewhat. So I just always wanted to make sure I knew how to be well fed, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I love that answer. I want to talk about you know, challenges that maybe have come your way and how did you overcome them, uh, especially in the kitchen? So you've had experiences working with some amazing uh, chefs. What has been uh, the biggest challenge and, and how are you uh, How are you able to overcome that? If I'm being perfectly honest, I think the biggest challenge is society because it was really hard trying to have 
a career in the culinary sphere and be respected and taken seriously. It's um, just like in the 70s, the chef wearing the white coat was never really taken seriously. It was seen as a blue collar job. It wasn't until uh, the likes of Wolfgang Puck and Marco Pierre White and Anthony Bourdain that came along that the era of celebrity chef happened. Uh, this wasn't a job that uh, was seen as something to be proud of, really. So kind of the same thing here in Bahrain. Like when I when I f finished high school and I wanted to do this, I was met with a lot of questions and why and blah. And I was so adamant. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. This is what makes me happy, you know. Um, but then coming back, I was too scared to even take up a job in the kitchen. So I, I went to college. To, um, I, I have a degree in um, philosophy and sociology from the Sorbonne. Don't ask me why, but I do because I wanted to do that as well. Um, and so I, the challenge was actually having a career in the culinary sphere in Bahrain and, you know, be respected and taken seriously. And so it wasn't until a few years after I quit my job that I was like, no, I have to do this in any way possible, whether it's, you know, in someone else's kitchen or mine. And that's why I think having all these collaborations that I'm doing with so many brands and restaurants that I love all around Bahrain um, is actually giving me life because it's giving me more confidence to even head my own kitchen, having not worked in one previously. Do you know what I mean? So I think the biggest challenge is actually getting into the kitchen and not being afraid to do so in front of so many people. Yeah. And, and I think this is, this is great for our audience because many of them are youth and uh, they're either, you know, in, in high school, uh, just, you know, just entered college, maybe mid-college or early professionals. And I think that, you know, that story um, is definitely one that they can resonate with perhaps because, again, there are always things in which you would, you know, you're, you're not, you're not sure um, how, you know, you're going to how how it's going to work out at the end you know if we did <laughs> i don't think we'd I, I don't know i i don't know how i feel about that i'd i'd rather not know uh because it just comes down to choices right and what i loved about your story is that um you know you're you're so vulnerable and you share it very bravely um and 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 you do so on social media which i want to get into because you know, you, you have a, a strong social media presence, you know, you, you've built a brand that I'm sure you're very proud of, you should be. And I want to talk about what does, you know, the building that platform mean to you? Um, you know, how are you using social media today to further your own message? And what is it that you want, you know, your audience to take away from seeing your journey publicly every single day? Yeah, social media is a double-edged sword. It's uh, it's a place full of vanity and love, but on the same on the same token, it's like you know troll central. So, I mean, I'm grateful for it because it's allowed me to touch so many lives. But also, at the end of the day, it's just it's a mirror. It's uh, and there there was no social media when I was in culinary school, and like now, like like these days, people are just like you know take a photo or it didn't happen kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's, um, it's very weird. Um, for me, I try not to look at that side of it. I try to think like, okay, my Instagram account or my blog or whatever is my little corner of the internet. <laughs> and uh, it's like kind of like my room, you know, kind of like my house. So like everyone's welcome in it. 
you know, take off your shoes, be respectful, kind of share in my jokes, which are lame and my journey and my recipes, like half the time, I'm just like, I don't know if anyone's going to make this, but I want to make this and I want to share it. So I think with, yeah, my, with Instagram, it's, it's a fascinating and scary place, but I try not to think of it that way. So it's just my little part of the internet and like all, everyone's welcome. And I hope they take something out of it by the end at the end of the day you know like whether it's a recipe or like I made someone smile or something like that for me is I guess why I post the silly stuff I post yeah no I I can totally resonate with that um what keeps you inspired Hesla inside or outside the kitchen what keeps you wanting to go back to the kitchen and keep on experimenting how do you stay inspired well I haven't tasted everything yet so that's one. And I do love traveling for food. So that's something I want to do. Hopefully when things are somewhat back to a, a degree of normal. Um, but yeah, what keeps me inspired is the world. It's just so vast, so many flavors, spices, cultures, textures, and you don't need to travel to try them. That's why I think part of the the flip side of the pandemic is, is I learned to you know, cook other, like other stuff that I normally wouldn't. And I made pad thai with maximize, like I, I actually made pad thai and then taught people to make pad thai, which is crazy because I mean, I'm not a pad thai expert, but I like making it. Um, yeah, what keeps me inspired is just the vastness of the world and how I have such finite time trying to explore everything in it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, Honestly, just waking up and, and realizing that you have a whole day ahead of you um, and you can design it any way you would, uh, I think it's just beautiful. It's like your blank canvas, you know? And that's a luxury um, and liberty I do not take lightly. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Can you walk us through a day in your life? <laughs> oh my God. more with the vulnerability um whatever you want to share <laughs> i think i'm losing you though and i don't I, check my phone but i wake up and check my phone breaking up what was that Okay, uh, can you re-say that again? Because your voice was breaking up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I wake up and I try not to check my phone, but I check my phone. <laughs> this is the first thing I do. And then somehow, somehow, as I'm scrolling through my Insta feed, which is basically food, I see a recipe and then that just turns into, that's what I'm making for lunch. So then I wake up, I go to a supermarket, I'm always at the supermarket. I don't know. Like I see half of Bahrain at the supermarket. Everyone sees me at the supermarket. I'm always at the supermarket. So I wake up. I probably just saw a recipe I want to recreate. So I go to the supermarket. I buy the ingredients. I come home. I make it. I have my family taste it. See if they like it or not. They're my best and worst critics, to be honest. And then I probably like do some, like I check my email. I am so behind on writing recipes for a cookbook I'm trying to publish, but I don't know when I see the light of day. 
So I said, I'm I lost you there, Hassa. Can you hear me? Because I can't hear you. Hi, Hassa, can you hear me? I can't hear you, by the way. Hi. Ooh. Okay. Yes, there we yeah. go. Yeah. We I, lost I, you I, for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the connection, yes. Pretty terrible, <laughs> but it's okay. It's, it's all good. It's all good. So um, maybe if you could just go back a little bit to where you were talking about wanting to put together a recipe book. That's where I lost you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I wake up, probably see a recipe, go make the recipe and then for lunch and then sit down, have a coffee, watch the sun go down and try to do like put in a few pages for the cookbook that I'm trying to publish. I'm, I don't know if it's going to see the light of day anytime soon, but yeah. And then I probably watch some YouTube, some Netflix, kind of chill with my family, um, go take a walk in the evening and then, yeah, just uh, settle in bed with a book. And that's pretty much a, an average day. <laughs> I love it. And I love that sense of adventure of just, literally waking up in the morning and being inspired by your Instagram feed. And that kind of, you know, becomes, yeah. you know, becomes, all right, that's, that's, the, you know, the, the dish I'm going to, I'm going to have for lunch. And uh, mm -hmm. I love that sense of adventure. And I think that, again, just kind of coming full circle about, you know, being childlike and not childish. I think there's something to be said there about, um, you know, still um, having that sense of wonder and magic and, and um, kind of designing your life to always keep on inspiring you. And I love how your Instagram feed is, is you know, a source of your inspiration as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I try. I love it. Um, if, if we were to just, you know, as, as, as we're closing here, um, I usually ask, you know, our, our guests about if they had a specific mission in STEM. But I'm going to change it up a little bit for you to say if you had a specific mission, let's say in the culinary world, but also I would say 
you know, as a creative, to be honest, um, because mm-hmm. you touched on something very important, which was, you know, society and the way that society looks at um, not just, you know, people in culinary professions, but really just the creative uh, industry, uh, you know, all in all. And so if you had a specific mission there, uh, what would it be? In the creative field or in the culinary or just all of it? All of it. Your personal mission. What would that be? I guess my personal mission would be something that I did for myself is like try to not be afraid and do it anyway. Um, it's it's scary enough as it is, uh, but at the same time, you can use fear as a motivator. Um, I don't know every day what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm, you know, um, it's, not, it's, it's, it's very unstable. Being in the creative realm is unstable. Like even if you're an artist and you show at a gallery and then no one buys your painting for that season, you know, what are you going to do? It, it comes with its risks being in the creative industry but then like you know a few years later yeah, he sells at you know I don't know Saatchi gallery and makes 20 million it's there's a risk and a reward factor that doesn't come with being a doctor an engineer or a lawyer the creative field is much more of a Russian roulette kind of thing so as with societal pressure it's not anything to do with the stigma of being a creative maybe it's just the okay so what are you going to do like how are you going to but that's other people's fears projected onto you. It's hard enough, like even going through your own fears and dealing with that. So my mission, I guess, is to try to remove some of that fear and give some form of motivation that, hey, if you want to do this, you know that it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of risk. But the reward of seeing someone smile because of something that you've made with your hands, that to me is indescribable. And that's worth all of the risk. Very well said. I I do have to say, there is one question that I'm still thinking about right now. And I think I'd, I'd I'd like to ask if I may. Of course, go ahead. Okay, so let's see. What's the biggest takeaway? You know, one thing, culinary learning, something that you learned from the kitchen that you think everyone can benefit from. Mm, Clean as you go. (laughs) I mean, now more than ever. I mean, I remember like the, the, when I was like learning, like in, in Paris, they wouldn't let us, like if our, if our station was, wasn't clean, we'd like, you know, get marked down for it. Like clean as you go. I mean, I used to be a messy cook and now I just, I leave my place kind of spotless. And so, yeah, just being clean and sanitary and yeah, just wash your hands guys. <laughs> and that's one takeaway. That's great. I mean, that's honestly like music to my ears because I just recently discovered apparently that I have OCD tendencies at a young, at an older age, which is crazy. Okay. <laughs> and so just, you know, just hearing you say that, I'm like, oh yes, 
Yeah, <laughs> don't as you go. It won't hurt anyone. Relax. It's the total opposite. <laughs> this has been absolutely amazing, Hasla. Like I said, I mean, I I was I was really excited to have you on, and I'm glad that we finally made it happen. And I really hope that our audience took away as much as I did uh, from this. I want to leave um, you know the last thing over to you. Like, is there any specific thing that you would you, you'd like to say here, or maybe if you can drop um, you know your social media handles for those of them uh, that are not following you to to follow your journey and um, and just you know just give you some love. Sure. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, Latifa, because what you have built in this space of a few short years is nothing short of amazing. I wish you so much more success in this field. It's so necessary. And every kid here is like, honestly, very lucky to have Clever Play exist at this time because it's just, it's wonderful what you do. And I love that you you considered food definitely like as a part of STEM and we got to talk about it today and it made me realize that STEM is not intimidating STEM is definitely all around us like even if you leave an apple you know sitting for too long and then it turns brown that's STEM you know I just I didn't even know that prior to this talk so um, it's just it's fascinating what you do and I just wanted to thank you so much for this opportunity yeah everyone can definitely follow me at Curiously Hungry on Instagram and uh, look out for the next burger drop, I guess. Uh, and I'd be happy to serve you anytime. It makes me happy seeing you all happy. Thank you so much, Hasla. And on that note, uh, we'll end it here. Thanks again for being on the show. And that's all we've got for today's episode. If you love today's episode or know someone who could use its inspiration, please share it on your social media channels. And we'd love to hear how we can make this podcast work better for you by leaving a review before you go, making your mission to spread STEM vibes and enjoy an amazing day ahead. <laughs>